0: Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this joyful day of worship. Lord, we're here to worship you. You are alive, and we thank you, God, for being our God. Thank you, Lord, for your love for us, so undeserved, given so freely and so fully. Your grace given in your son, Jesus, that the work needed to bring us back to you from start to finish would be completed by what you have done, not anything that we add to it, just what you have done, who you are and what you've done completely. Your grace is sufficient. And Jesus, as you rose from the dead, you declared it's done. All that's needed now is just to put our trust in you. So God, I pray that you would awaken our hearts to know who you are this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray you breathe life into us I pray you'd speak to us from your word that this would not just be a religious routine today, but Lord, this would truly be from our heart of hearts, a time of worship, that we might really know you, Jesus, and love you, and know the love that you have for us and the work that you've done, what is possible for those who believe. Oh God, would you minister to us today? We know you're here. We thank you for your presence in our midst, and we just want to be with you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning again. I'm Barrett Bowden, a lead pastor here at Allen Community Church, and I'm here to tell you what you came to hear, I think. He's alive. Matthew chapter 28, uh, verses 1 through 10, not our main passage for the day, but if you want to turn with me, you're welcome. But we know from the scripture, it says, after Jesus was crucified, now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. who was crucified. But he is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and with great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet, and there they worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. He is risen He is not here. He is risen indeed. I am so excited to have the opportunity together uh, to be here for worship. It's so great uh, to have you this morning. Um, My joy today is to proclaim not something new to you, but something that is true to you, and that is our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't care so much that you listen to my sermon this morning as much as that you know Jesus Christ. He is wonderful in every way. You were made by him, and you were made for him. He is God, and he loves you more than you could ever, ever imagine. He came for you. He lived for you. He died for you. He rose to new life for you, and it is possible today for you to know him. So I stand today really not caring any attention be on me, but I want to just appoint your attention to Jesus because he is wonderful. If you've got your Bible, I would like for you to get it open to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. That is going to be our main text today. Um, I wanted to read a little bit of the narrative of the Gospels, so that we could just remember the truth of the story of his resurrection because it is not just something that has been made up by followers of Jesus. It is truly history. But today, what I want to do on this Easter Sunday is look at the, the text from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I want to talk to you not only about the reality of his resurrection, but the relevance of his resurrection in our lives today. Because I truly believe that too often all we do is think about Easter, a resurrection on Easter Sunday. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, if you come on Easter, you expect to hear a message on the resurrection, and in fact, you're going to get it this morning, all right? (laughs) But one of the things that I want us to realize is that we are a resurrection people. The faith that we have is in a resurrected Savior, and that's not just true on Easter Sunday, it's true every day of our lives if we are followers of Jesus. And I want to Help us this morning as we go to the text. God's Word helps us in this, but I want to remind us of how the resurrection really transforms our life, not just on Easter Sunday that we get to celebrate, but every single day as we live by faith in Him. First Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 1, and I read from the ESV. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word that I preached to you, unless you believed him in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to all of the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, Paul writes, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But if, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ, then comes the end When he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. This is the word of God. Like I said this morning, I want to talk to you not only about the reality of the resurrection, but I want to talk to you about the relevance of the resurrection In the first part of this chapter, it's obvious that Paul is trying to help us see, like, we have to deal with the historical reality of Christ's resurrection. Like, I guess that's the first thing that you've got to wrestle with is, you know, do you believe that he was really resurrected? And I'm assuming you're here this morning because you do. But I also don't want to make a wrong assumption. Um, It is important that you know that history points attention to a risen Jesus Christ, You've got to deal with that. The resurrection is not of use to us as a mere symbol. It is a reality. And Jesus, in fact, did rise from the dead. But what I want to focus on this morning is kind of the second half of the the passage, you guys. Because as we read what Paul wrote to us, what we see is that it's not just important to know that it happened, but it's important to know why it happened. And it's important to know what it means. Um, Paul, in another place in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verse 10, he says, I want to know the I want to know him. I want to know Jesus. He says, I want to know the power of his resurrection. In other words, he's saying, I want to know more of my risen Savior, and I want to know more of the significance of his resurrection. I want to know that personally. And I want to experience that. Like, I want it to be real to me. And in the passage here in 1 Corinthians 15, we have an opportunity to see some of the ways that the resurrection is relevant. And I just want to ask you, you know, to start off, do do you even know why the resurrection is relevant for your daily life? More than just Easter Sunday. I want you to lean in this morning. If you got somebody to take notes, I would love it. Because what I'm going to do is show you five things from this passage this morning that teach us about how the resurrection is relevant for your life, not just today, but tomorrow morning when you wake up. And Tuesday afternoon when you're feeling sleepy. And Wednesday when you may, in fact, get in the middle of some crisis or conflict. And Thursday and every day after, in the real everyday life, the, the resurrection of Christ has relevance for us. And so this morning I want to show you five ways that it, that it does. Now, interestingly, I guess. Um, One thing that you've got to understand is Paul is is arguing for the resurrection, right? But in these verses, he's going, if the resurrection is, is not true, then, and then he states negative statements, right? But what we know is he believes that the resurrection is true. So what we're going to do this morning is look at those negative statements of the things that he's going, if it's not true, then this, and we're going to flip those around and make them positive statements because what we know is if the resurrection is true then that does that make sense? So this morning we're going to look at those and the first one I want to point your attention to is number one the first uh, relevance uh, of the resurrection the significance in our lives what it means for us today is number one it means that our faith is founded it means that for us as followers of Jesus if we put if you put your faith in Jesus Christ it means that you have a well-founded faith. You have a confident faith. If you look at the Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, look at verses 14 and 15. He says, And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your what? Your faith is in vain, right? But the converse is true. If He has been raised, then what? Your faith is not in vain, right? In other words, your faith is well-founded. If you go on in verses 16 and 17, what you see here, he says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. But if he has been raised, the opposite is true, right? That your faith is not futile. In other words, what I've said here in point one is because Christ has been raised from the dead, your faith is founded. Your faith is founded. Another way to say this would be because of the resurrection, there is someone who you can trust absolutely. There is someone that you can really, really trust with your whole heart and know that he is trustworthy. I know deep in our hearts, we long for stability. We long for security. We long to know, is there anyone that I can trust through thick and through thin, through good times and through hard times? Is there anyone that I can count on, that I can truly, truly bank everything on? I want to tell you, if you look for that horizontally, you're going to be disappointed. People disappoint us, don't they? as close as a relationship might be the reality is it is not where your hope belongs you look circumstantially same thing but if you look vertically what you see is the whole reason that God created us was to find him trustworthy to find him more than dependable to find him more than enough and what we see as Jesus Christ lived and as he ministered he spoke yes and you might have been, if you were in the crowds, looking at his words and wondering, is this guy trustworthy? Can I count on him? Is he mean what he says? And you watch him in his suffering and his death and his love. His crucifixion on the cross has been placed into the grave and you still might have lingering questions, but after three days, friends, that Jesus, our God, the word became flesh. He rose from the dead and if you had any lingering questions on whether or not he was trustworthy they're all answered in the fact that he lives he lives he lives he is reliable he is trustworthy everything everything that you wonder about him yes you can trust him he is true 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 i love the bible don't you all just love the bible it is awesome Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. He's saying, oh, isn't God great? How awesome is God? Because He has calls us now to be born again. Like, there's a new thing that God is beginning in our hearts. He's called us to be born again to a living hope, a living hope. In other words, He's given us reason for faith, and that living hope is through a person, It's not just an idea of hope. It's not just a a wish for hope. It's a reality of hope. We have been born again to a living hope because Jesus has been raised from the dead. And this hope, all the words, the adjectives that are used there, right, is a secure hope. Your faith is well-founded when you put your faith in Jesus because he is alive and he will never die again. Amen? This is the beautiful reality of the resurrection. The biblical word here, we translate it hope, but it's kind of a, it's frustrating for me sometimes um, because there's no other like English word that we could use. Like hope is the word, but it like in the in the original language it takes on so much like more meaning. The original word here literally means profound certainty. We've been born again to a profound certainty. And all of this profound certainty centers on this one huge event: the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And interestingly, just a side note about First Peter. I know that I'm, a, I'm not going to start teaching another sermon on First Peter, okay? I got to stick with First Corinthians 15. But just as a side note, the book of First Peter here in this chapter, uh, Peter's writing to Christians who have suffered; they are suffering greatly. They are in the middle of all kinds of trials. They're overwhelmed with sorrow. It says in chapter 4, they're going through a fiery ordeal. Tim Keller, in his recent book on the resurrection, talks about how Christians view even the hardest circumstances as a part of history guided by God and every turn toward not merely some kind of afterlife, but toward the resurrection of our bodies and souls remade in the new heaven and the new earth. He talks about how one of the reasons for the remarkable rise of Christianity in the earliest centuries was because of the pandemics, literally. If you go back to history, what you realize, there were pandemics that were plaguing the world, and people were realizing that they needed something more to to count on than our own flesh or than other people or systems and circumstances and satisfactions and conveniences of this world. And the message of Jesus broke through and spoke into the depths of a soul because in the midst of no matter what you're going through, here is a hope that is never, ever, ever going to disappoint. The hope of Jesus Christ raised from the dead. The fact of the resurrection means that we have a well-founded faith and our hope for the future is not based on scientific research. Our hope for the future is not based on social advance. Our hope for the future is based on God himself. And what a sure hope. Amen? Number two. By the way, you know, I just... oh, If you're looking for someone to trust, look to Jesus. Just look to Jesus. Number two. Not only is it mean our faith is founded, but it means our sins are forgiven. Our sins are forgiven. If you look back at the text, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 16 and 17, he says, For the dead are not raised, not only has Christ has been raised, and if and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and he says, What? You are still in your sins. If Jesus Christ has not been raised from the dead, then this is bad news for us because it means that we, we're still going to have to deal with our own sins. But the opposite is quite true. Now, now this is the fundamental problem and reality for all of us is all of us have sinned. You know your sin, right? You know your brokenness. You know your need. And we all need forgiveness. This is the basic longing of all of our hearts. If God still holds our sin against us, then There's no hope of anything else from God. This is the most basic need that we have. Everything hangs on God's ability and willingness to forgive. But the opposite is true if we consider if He's not been raised, then we're still in our sins. But friends, if He has been raised, then what? Our sins can be forgiven. If you look at this, what we're thinking about is the reality of our justification before God. By justification, what I mean is that it means that God puts a declaration over our lives that we're not guilty of our sins, but that we're counted righteous in God. That's what we're talking about. There's one passage that I want to point your attention to from Romans chapter 4. And in this passage, verses 20 through 25 He's speaking of Abraham, and then he makes a turn to think about us. And it's the only passage in the Bible that directly connects the resurrection of Jesus to our justification with God. And he says, No unbelief made him, he's speaking of Abraham, waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses, and here it is, and he was raised for what? Our justification. Jesus Christ was raised, and one of the reasons that he was raised is so that you, as you put your trust in him, could be counted not as, guilty before God. It's amazing. In the resurrection, um, by raising Jesus from the dead, God was essentially saying, in effect, He was like putting His stamp of approval over His Son. And He had done this all throughout Jesus' life and ministry, but in His resurrection, He's basically saying, I approve of all that Jesus has done on your behalf. I approve of his work of suffering and his work of dying, and I see now that the work is completed. There is no longer anything else left to do. Like, it's done. Jesus has finished the work, everything needed to count anyone who believes right in the standing of God to put a declaration of your life, like a banner, like your debt is paid, right? Like somebody, like, imagine um, there's all this talk about Student loan debt being forgiven. Michelle and I still have student loan debt. It's a little bit personal. But somebody says, student loan debt forgiven, and I'm like, praise the Lord. I do not mean that politically because I've got thoughts on all that. I'll never tell them to you. But what I'm saying is, that's awesome. You got a big debt. Somebody going to come and pay it? Like That's amazing. By the resurrection of the dead, Jesus puts a big stamp paid in full on your record of debt. It is a stamp of approval where God himself is saying, it's done. Jesus has paid it all. And by his resurrection from the dead, you can see that there's no longer any more payment needed for sin. There's no more work that is needed for you to do. Jesus has done it all. It's finished. And he's alive. Everybody here in this room this morning needs forgiveness before God. We long to know with the horrors of who we know sometimes we are, the brokenness that's within us, the wrong that we have done, the shame that we carry is it possible? Is it even possible for me to have an opportunity to be right with God again? Is it possible? For there to be a cleansing, a true forgiveness, a wiping away for me to actually be right with God again. And the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, Jesus says, it is possible. It is possible. It is possible. Look at my son. He has finished it all. No, it's not possible for anything that you would do. But yes, it is possible for what he has finished on your behalf. It is possible. So don't let anything keep you from God. Because the work is finished. All you need to do now is call out to him. Yield your life to him. Receive from him the grace upon grace that he's given. Peter wrestled with this, didn't he? After the resurrection of Jesus. All of his sin, all of his shame. His own denial of Jesus to his face. And yet, didn't Jesus show up after his resurrection to do something to help Peter connect his resurrected life to something that was needed in Peter's life? The resurrected Jesus shows up to Peter to tell him, Peter, I love you. Peter, I forgive you. Peter, my, sh- my grace is greater than your sin. My love covers your shame. Peter, Peter, the only question for you is do you love me? Is your heart with me? Peter, do you trust me? You see, today you can be forgiven. Number three, not only does it mean our faith is founded, our sins are forgiven, but third, the resurrection of Jesus from the grave means this, that our message is true. It means that our message is true. If you look back at the text, and you look at verses 14 and 15, it says, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God. In other words, he's saying, if 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 the resurrection of Jesus didn't happen, then then this whole thing that we're proclaiming, like he's speaking of the apostles' message, but it even carries over today to even like believing the Bible, like this whole Bible thing, like that's in vain. You submitting yourself to to authority here in the word, you, you, you holding yourself to a truth, like that's all in vain. People who would be proclaiming Jesus would be misrepresenting God. But stated positively, if Jesus has been raised from the dead, then what we know is this message is true. What we know is what we proclaim is not in vain. Does that make sense? So what we say here in number three is that because he lives, our message, our message is, is true. In our day-to-day, and I won't spend long on this, but I believe that it is really important that we recognize that in our day-to-day, we are facing, y'all know this, y'all know this, I don't have to tell you. In our culture today, there—what what is absolute truth? It's just absolutely like going away. Do you feel the, do you feel the tide? It, it just feels like in our, in our day, like everybody gets to define what is true for themselves. But how dare you speak up and say that this is not just what is true for me, but this is just what is true for me, for you, for anyone else. How dare we put our truth, so to speak, onto other people? This is becoming like a time we read about in the Bible, like in the book of Judges, where it says there was no king in Israel and everybody did what was right in their own eyes. But the reality is, if Jesus was raised from the dead, and he was, then there is a basis for absolute truth, and it's him. (laughs) There is a need for us to recognize what Jesus said in John 14, 6 to his disciples. He said, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. When Jesus was raised from the dead, we have an absolute certainty that what he said here in John 14 is absolutely true. He is the way, and he is the truth. And He is the life. And what it means for us is that Jesus has the right. I know this is challenging in our day today, but this is one thing that the resurrection, why it's relevant in our lives every day, it means this, that Jesus has the right to tell us what is true. Jesus has the right to be absolute truth for, his, for us because He was raised from the dead. And in his resurrection, he proclaims, I am a king. I am who I say I am. I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. So now the question is not what is true for me, but what is true according to Jesus. And to, to, to wrestle with every day the reality of his resurrection, which means that Jesus is placed over me. And I know that sounds simple but it's really important for us on a daily basis to remember that we serve a resurrected Lord and he defines truth for me, for us. I don't define truth for myself. And I bring myself into submission to him. I wonder today, do you know that the message, his message and the message that we proclaim, this word is true. And do you live your life according to him? Number four. Because He lives, not only is our faith uh, founded, not only are our sins forgiven, not only is our message true, but forth our life is meaningful. Our life is meaningful. If you look at the Scripture, verses 18 and 19, He says there, Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, We are of all people most to be pitied. We are of all people most to be pitied. In other words, oh man, if you are a follower of Jesus and uh, the resurrection is like a hoax, it's like not real, if he didn't really rise from the dead, then what in the world are you doing with your life? Why aren't you having brunch right now? I mean, for reals. Don't, don't don't question that, okay? Some of y'all are like, "I don't know. Why am I?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't think that one through. Um, but but why is it that we would live the way that we live? Why is it that we would serve the way that we would serve? Why is it that we would sacrifice the way that we sacrifice? To give the way that we give? Prioritize him the way that we do? He's saying if if this life is it. Like, if there's no hope for anything else, if He hadn't been raised, then of all people, like, we are most to be pitied. But the converse is true, right? Because if He has been raised, and He has, if He has been raised, then of all people, we are most to be envied. Because it means that our life is meaningful. I know all of us in this room, we long to live our life like connected with purpose. This generation coming up more than I think any other is longing to make a difference, longing to live for something that is true. Like we don't want to, we don't want the fluff, man. We don't want to come to church and just do the church thing. We want to know what's real. We want to know what's true. We want to be connected with like something that really matters in the end that really matters. We know, God, has put a longing in our hearts that our lives would count for something, that they would have significance and usefulness, that we don't come to the end of it all and just go like, that was stupid, that was empty, like that was pointless, that was useless. We long for this. And what the resurrection of Jesus does for us is it says, Jesus is like really the king. Like he really is who he said he was. Like he really is God. And therefore, all of your obedience and all of your love and all of your service and all of your sacrifice, your life lived by faith and obedience to Jesus in the end matters. In the end, we'll be rewarded In the end, it will be shown that, like, even though people didn't understand, in the end, like, you were of all people most to be envied. Because you were connected to what was really real. And he is really real. Do You see? Verse 58 of the same chapter, if you look in your Bible down in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, Paul picks up on this theme after the whole kind of discussion of the resurrection. And he says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast. Be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. As Christ followers, we live as a resurrection people. And on a daily basis, we live by faith, and we live in obedience, and we live in surrender, and we live in unashamed love for God and love for people, and we lay our lives down. Because he laid his life down for us. And we are people who can be steadfast in this, friends. We can be immovable in this, friends. We can always abound in the work of the Lord, friends, because we know that in the end, it's not in vain. And how do we know it? Because he lives. He lives. He lives. We are people who can say our life is meaningful. And I just want to encourage you, if you're looking for a life that matters, a life of real purpose, a life of real significance, look to Jesus. Live with Jesus and live for Jesus. Because in the end, it will be shown that Jesus is really real. (laughs) Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Number five, fifth, and finally... Since we talked about brunch, now you've got the word finally, we're getting excited. Don't get too excited. This is better than brunch. Number five our future hope is sure. Our future hope is sure. If you look back at the text, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 and 13. We're actually going to start there, but we're going to make our way through a series of verses here because this is a major emphasis here in Paul's discussion. Now, if the Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Verse 19, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are all people most to be pitied. Verse 20, 21, for as by a man came death, so by a man has come also resurrection from the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Here in verse 20, he describes here the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, Jesus' is that first fruit. Our hope, our future hope is real. There's two main ways that our future hope is real. The first one is seen in these passages that we just read, and that is that we will live forever with God. We will live forever with God. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 talks about how this slight and momentary affliction is working in us, preparing us for an eternal weight of glory that is beyond all comparison. Several times in the New Testament, like in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, it'll say things like this, "'God raised the Lord, and he will also raise us up by his power.'" 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14, "'He who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with him and bring us into his presence.'" That's why in these passages, Paul says, if Jesus has not been raised, then then there will be no resurrection of the dead. In other words, there's nothing after death. But the converse is true. If he has been raised, that that means that there is life after death for those who believe. And he describes how Jesus is given as a first fruit. I don't do agriculture stuff. Y'all know me. I don't like getting dirty too much, but. wasn't meant to be funny. It is funny. In the agricultural sense, apparently, so I read, um, the first part of the crops that come from the field will tell you what the rest of the crop will be like. And what it says is, God put Jesus forward by his resurrection from the dead to be a first fruit. In other words, to show you what is coming for those who hope in Jesus. That there is coming a time that even though your body dies your soul will live forever and even after your body dies if you die before the coming of Jesus there will come a time that he will raise your dead body back to glorious new life just like the life of Jesus in other words there is this promise in the resurrection that if you hope in Jesus if you put your trust in Jesus that Sin will not have the final word over you. Satan will not have the final word over you. Death will not have the final word over you. Jesus himself will have the final word over you. And you will live forever with your God. What a glorious hope to know that because Jesus was raised from the dead, that so also we will be raised like him. And we will be healed. And we will be made perfect. And we will be made whole. And there is a never-ending, never-ending joy that we will find In the very presence of God, with Him forever and ever and ever, just like it was meant to be in the garden in the book of Revelation, we see God returning us to the place where God's presence dwells, and we will live with Him as our God forever. What a glorious reality. If you have lost ones who have trusted in Jesus, what a glorious reality to remember that though they died, one day they will be raised to new life. And if you trust in Jesus, what a glorious reality to know. It doesn't matter what diagnosis the doctor gives me. It doesn't matter what tragedy I might face. Though my body is wasting away, Jesus is taking care of my soul. And though one day I will die, I have nothing to fear because I will be with him where he is forever and for always. What a glorious reality to know. That when we hope in Jesus, our future hope is sure there will be a forever living with God and joy. But not only that, the second part of this, and I close with this. The second part of knowing our future hope is sure is knowing that he will reign forever. If you look at verses 23 to 25, what we see is he says, But each his own, in his own order, Christ the first fruit. Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ will be raised. And then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God to the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. What he's saying is, friends, in the troubles of today, in the brokenness of today, in the frustrations of today, In the sadness and the sorrows of today. In the sin and the shame of today. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Because it's not always going to be like this for those who hope in him. There will come a day that you will hear his voice and you will see him yourself. Saying, behold, I make all things new. There's coming a day and it's proven by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That God will put things right again and he will make all things all things all things new what a glorious hope we have for the future not only that we will be with him that we will get to experience his renewal and restoration of all so i want to put up the list of five things and I just want to proclaim to you what you already know. You came to hear, I think, and that is that Jesus lives. He lives. But more than you knowing that he lives, do you know why this is so relevant for your life? He lives, and because he lives, our faith is founded. Because he lives, our sins are forgiven. Because he lives, our message is true. Because he lives, our life is meaningful. And because he lives, our future hope is sure. What a wonderful Savior we have in Jesus. Would you agree? What a wonderful Savior. As our worship team comes and we move toward a close, I just want to encourage you to consider is your hope in Jesus? Is your hope in Jesus. I got to tell you today, um, one of the most beautiful realities of the resurrection is for us as Christ followers, we don't follow a dead, revered teacher. (laughs) We follow a risen and triumphant Lord. And he's with us. He's with us, even now. And there'll be a day that we get to be with him forever. I wonder today, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you? Have you come to a place where you've really put your whole hope in him? He really is alive. He's alive, like the tomb is empty. He's not here. Come and see. He's not here. He's risen. Just like the angel proclaimed, the invitations for you, come and see. He's not dead anymore, he's, he's alive. He really is God, like he really is Savior, He's the Messiah, He's the one who can put you back right with God. And his resurrection from the dead, like shows you like that if you put your faith in him today, like that's that's really grounded. Like you you can have like confidence. And Jesus, like, he has been born again, and you can be born again to a living hope by calling out to him today. Like, the work is done. The work is done. He came for you in his love, and he lived righteously, and he died on the cross sacrificially in your place, and he did it for your sins so that he could give grace to you as you call out to him. Even now, your sins can be forgiven. The resurrection from the dead, like tells you today if you are not in Christ like you can be forgiven of sins by coming to Jesus by repenting of sin and putting your your trust in him like God has already stamped the stamp of approval on Jesus and he can stamp on your record of debt paid in full as you come to Jesus your sins can be forgiven they can. I wonder today are you in relationship with Jesus do you know him do you know that like he is true and we got to submit ourselves to him? If he is the resurrected Lord, like we don't define truth, he does. And we need him. We need him. Do you know that the only way to live a life of real significance is to live a life of faith and obedience to Jesus? In the end, our labor is not in vain. It's not in vain. You'll be a person most to be envied. And do you know that when you come to Jesus, your future hope is secure? Though you die you will live. And though this world is broken, he will make it new. Come to Jesus, whether it's for the first time or for the thousandth time, come to Jesus and worship him. Yield your heart and life to him and put your hope in him. Together, church, let's stand and let's respond. There's prayer counselors that are coming here to the front for anybody that wants to make a decision for Jesus Christ, who wants to come and just say, today I want to turn from sin and I want to trust Jesus, you can come and do that with one of the prayer counselors who are here in front online. There's prayer counselors available for you. You can see that on your screens right now. But let's respond to Jesus and worship. He is worthy. He is risen from the dead.